0: Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Uh, this episode is going to talk about the uh, Dr. Benjamin Franklin's observations on fireplaces. We have alluded to America's greatest genius, Benjamin Franklin, several times in this account in order to explain Benjamin Thompson as a person. Now we must mention the good Dr. Franklin, again, to sharpen and emphasize Benjamin Thompson's unique accomplishment to the art of building fireplaces that were never smoking. For Benjamin Franklin also knew, as did thousands of good folk of those times, that fireplaces did smoke. He wondered why and speculated on the causes coming up. In 1785, With some remarks on the subject. In 1784, the greatest American of his age, at least in the opinion of Europeans, took ship for his last return to his native land. Franklin's distinguished biographer Carl Van Doren says that Franklin came home, the most famous private citizen of the world. He returned after the illustrious and successful mission as American ambassador to the King of France, with without whose aid Washington could have not won the war for independence. The Atlantic passage gave Franklin time for introspection and speculation. He characterizes it admirably when he says that the garrulity of an old man has got hold of me and as I may never have another occasion of writing on this subject. I think I may as well know now. And so Franklin penned a long letter to his old friend, Dr. Isen Haas, a physician to the emperor in Vienna, on the causes and cures of smoky fireplaces. This treatise the next year saw the light of print in the Transactions of the American Philosophical Society. It deserves study for Franklin's intimidable and warm hearted prose, and for us concerned with Count Rumsford, it deserves attention if only for the fact that Franklin, at just about that time, Rumsford, was formulating his ideas, which he expressed in print ten years later discoursed on nine reasons why contemporary fireplaces smoked and offered remedies to correct such faults. This letter is rich in Franklin's well-known common sense and ingenious experimental devices and is, even today, a sheer delight to read. But only two of Franklin's nine reasons were demonstrated valid by Rumsford experiments and reasoning. The other seven were not taken up by Rumsford in his 1795 treatise because his principles demonstrated that these seven reasons no longer had validity. Fireplaces built according to Rumsford's plans or corrected to his specifications did not smoke because Franklin's reasons had been disposed of by Rumsford's great work. I do not say that the amenable Franklin seated in his comfortable ship captain's chair in 1784, and writing out of his head, set forth the wrong reasons for smoky fireplaces. I only say that by the time Rumsford's work in England was done, no one had any interest in the reasons why Rumsford's discoveries were needed by the men and women of the time, whose eyes were inflamed by smoke and whose backs when seated before the fireplace, were rather cold. One does not hesitate, however, to recommend Franklin's lengthy remarks for the felicity in which they were expressed and the wit and humor exhibited by his good and happy man. Benjamin Franklin was writing at a time when no one knew much about heat and very little about smoke that gets in one's eyes. He remarks that many are apt to think that smoke is in its nature and of itself specifically lighter than air and rises in it for the same reason that cork rises in water. He soon soon disposes of this popular notion by proving that smoke is really heavier than air and that it won't go up the chimney unless heat actually carries it up the chimney. So Franklin goes to elaborate lengths to show the one reason fireplaces smoke is from want of air in the room. He takes, therefore, the logical position that fresh air must somehow be introduced into the room, and he suggests ingenious ways to accomplish this, such as opening doors, taking out a pane of glass in the top of a window, and even cutting an opening under the hearth of the fireplace to admit air that the room needs to make the fireplace work more efficiently. This is one of the two observations that Rumsford knew were valid, though, by a strange fate. I do not find anywhere in Rumsford's work the mention of Franklin's name, nor in Franklin's the mention of Rumsford's. Franklin's other observation, which Rumsford did not deny as one of the major reasons for smoky fireplaces, was that a second cause of the smoking of chimneys is their openings in the room being too large. That is too wide, too high, or both. Rumsford's principles of design disposed of this notion also. It is interesting to note, however, that Franklin did not develop the notion beyond his opinion that something was wrong with the proportions of the fireplace opening in the room. Rumsford not only showed that something was wrong, but demonstrated why and how to correct this common defect. Franklin, however, did advance one's interesting ideas, which puts a floor under my assertion in the beginning and gives my considerable satisfaction that I did not malign or libel architects. Franklin writes that, architects in general have no other ideas of proportion in the opening of a chimney than that of symmetry and beauty respecting the dimensions of the room. About the only remark Franklin made in his famous letter to Rumsford did not dwell on later was his idea of the size and height of chimneys. Franklin says that the openings of the longest funnels may be larger and that those of the shorter funnels may be smaller. This enlightened many like myself who enjoyed the good fortune of having a house with fireplaces on the first floor and in the bedrooms on the second floor as well. You will always find For Franklin's well-considered reason, smaller fireplaces in the second-story rooms than in the first. And at this one point, Franklin, in an uncanny fashion, almost predicts Rumsford's principle when he says, I would make my openings in my lower rooms about 30 inches square and 18 inches deep and those in the upper, only 18 inches square and not quite so deep. This remark almost precisely describes the fireplace in my house and many other American houses. It foretells as well Rumsford's approximate proportions. But Count Rumsford's, unlike Franklin, demonstrates the reasons and indeed the practical working of his designs while Franklin only speculates. It may be helpful to sum up the difference between Franklin's comments and Count Rumsford's work. Rumsford's contributions lay in his understanding of heat, Franklin's of smoke. Franklin knew that many fireplaces smoked and he speculated on the physical remedies such as removing birds' nests from chimneys and building the chimneys higher than other chimneys on the roof. Rumsford also knew that fireplaces smoked, but he went further and found out that why they failed to perform the function for which they had been built was that properly and efficiently to heat a room. To correct these shortcomings in physical design, Rumsford studied the nature of heat. It is an illusible fact that both men were geniuses. Grumsford went the whole way. It must also be remembered, and this is seldom remembered, that during the very same time that Franklin was pondering the reasons why fireplaces smoked, he was also dwelling in a method not of making better fireplaces, but of doing away with them totally. And it was in this period that Franklin devised the Franklin Stove, and this was to help with the smoking fireplaces. So as a matter of fact, his paper on stoves entitled Description of a New Stove for Burning of Pit Coal and Consuming All Its Smoke was published in the Transactions of the American Philosophical Society held in Philadelphia for Promoting Useful Knowledge along with his letter to Dr. Ingen Hawes on fireplaces. I don't attempt to explain this coincidence any more than it would be foolish enough to attempt to explain of these two American geniuses. I merely express thanks to both of them. Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. hope you liked uh, the short episode on Smokeless Fireplaces of the Dr. Benjamin Franklin.